For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Thinking of starting a podcast? We'll try Anchor. It's free, easy to use, and its creation tools allow you to record and edit directly from your phone or computer. It'll even take care of distribution for you with a single tap so you can be heard on platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. Also, Anchor is the only place you can publish video podcasts directly to Spotify. Man, you can even make money using Anchor in a couple of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. It's truly everything you need in one place to make a podcast. So make sure to go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy Mac. And today we're here to talk some rotational fits, specifically within the starting lineup in the second unit. So without any further ado, we have now seen the Cavs play four preseason games, twice against the Chicago Bulls, once against the Atlanta Hawks, and one matchup with the Indiana Pacers. And then we'll close out preseason action this Friday against those same Indiana Pacers. The Cavs have shown a lot during this preseason. And one of the biggest things is cohesion, specifically in the second unit between players like Ricky Rubio and Kevin Love and Lori Markinen and Dylan Windler. We've seen a remarkable amount of just assists from Rubio and company. So I am loving what I'm seeing much more than the win loss records would indicate. You know, the Cavs at this point are one in two, actually one in three at this point. And I mean, in preseason, that's that doesn't even matter. Who cares about records in the preseason? Yes, it's nice to earn a win anytime you can, but just to see the development of guys and the uh, the camaraderie and how far along certain players have progressed, it's that's what really is the point of preseason. Just to kind of get a feel out for specific rotation uh, rotations and you know how certain guys are going to play together, getting in basketball shape, things of those nature. So one of the guys I wanted to hit on first was that of Lori Markinen. So Markinen this preseason, 13.3 points, 4.8 rebounds, 1.8 assists, 53.8% from the field, and he is shooting a scorching 46.6% from beyond the arc. That is exactly the type of player that the Cavs need. Now, the big thing with Markinen is that he lacked consistency in Chicago along with durability. Some of the same question marks that our own Kevin Love has faced throughout his entire career. Uh, Larry Nance, before he was dealt in that same deal, dealt with the same type of thing. But a lot of people question what Kobe Altman was doing when he made that trade. And so I tweeted this out the other day. One of the biggest things that a GM has to have is the foresight 
to what a player could potentially become. So what does that mean? It's pretty simple. It just means that, you know, you have to be able to look beyond right now, the here and now at what a guy could potentially turn into. And for marketing, you know, he showed a lot, at least on the offensive side of things in Chicago at certain points. But the problem was that he was never truly consistent enough and didn't do it on a game to game basis to really make you know, their staff and facility and, you know, team and whatnot feel that he was a long term fit there and that he truly made the team better, which is why he was, you know, shipped out of town. He just he just didn't fit well there, apparently. But one man's trash is another man's treasure. And thus far during this preseason uh, slate, he has looked amazing. You know, the the post ups, the Dirk Nowitzki like you know, fadeaways, the, uh, the dunking. It's just, it's awesome. And he's played some pretty good defense. I love to see a guy who is known primarily for offense really start to show a couple of things on defense. I think that really says a lot about engagement. I think even whether or not marketing is going to be in the, um, in question to start if he's going to get an opportunity further down the line that remains to be seen uh, at either the small forward or power forward position but the encouraging thing about that is that he looks balled in he looks engaged and he looks to be you know rounding in a form already so again this is preseason so you have to take everything with a grain of salt right but at the end of the day, you're still seeing some of these things, just as you are with other players around the league and some players on this roster. But in the case of Markinen, he truly looks to, you know, want to show the world that Chicago was completely in the wrong for trading him. And on Cleveland's side of things, you know, the big thing about that deal was shipping Larry Nance Jr. out of town to Portland. Well, while, you know, that really did suck to see Larry walk out the door. It was also something that was orchestrated by Nance himself. And as you know, justifiably, he deserved to play with a contending team after toiling away here when the team just wasn't quite ready yet. Now that the team is actually beginning to, you know, round the corner, in my opinion, and may make some noise, at least compete for a top 10 spot in the East. I think marketing is the type of player that can get the Cavs there. I'm not that's not to slight Nance in any way, but I just think that what marketing provides versus what Nance provided just didn't quite mesh well with the direction that the team was heading in. I mean, you got to think they already employ the likes of Jared Allen, uh, who doesn't really have a semblance of a perimeter game yet, but is dominant. Uh, defensively and is burgeoning in the post. And then you brought in, you know, third overall pick Evan Mobley, who, uh, you know, we'll talk about him in a minute, but he's already starting to look like the guy that he was being projected to be. And while he hasn't exactly spaced the floor yet, I just don't think Larry would have fit very well, at least, um, you know, in the long-term types of uh, dealings. So I just, I just love what I've seen so far from marketing and company. I think sacrificing Larry Nance Jr. in that deal was something you just had to do. And every game that marketing starts to look more and more bought in, every game that he's uh, impacting the game in a positive manner, you know, whether that be rebounding or scoring, uh, providing a scoring spark off the bench, uh, 
you know, lob attempts, things of that nature, just being a positive, impactful player on the court. Anytime, I think any game that marketing has that, it's going to make that trade much, much more easy to swallow. So that's, you know, marketing, that's marketing's preseason. And he will get the opportunity to showcase himself, I believe, one last time, like I said, against Indiana on Friday. I'll definitely be tuning into that just because I want to see if this is like a I don't think it'll be a dress rehearsal, but I do think we'll see some of the starters out there. And I think it will also give some of the bench unit guys a little bit more time to kind of position themselves to make the team. Because there are, believe it or not, some question marks with those end of bench guys. Uh, the next guy I really wanted to talk about is Evan Mobley. Now, everybody is talking about Evan Mobley, right? He looks already like a phenomenal uh, decision. to, And it was a no-brainer. You know, we knew we were going to go Evan Mobley. Um, Cunningham was off the board. Green was off the board. There was no question who was going to be selected third. So that was not really something that needed to be answered. What did, however, is how Mobley is going to fit within the current uh, lineup that we have. You know, you have Allen. You just paid him $100 million. You're probably not even conceiving bringing him off the bench. Uh, You still have Isaac Coro, who we'll talk about here in a minute. And you have Sexland. So what is truly the fit going to look like? Well, uh, starters haven't played a lot of time together, but in the short time that they have played together, the spacing will you know, continue to be some sort of a burden until you see Mobley convert more from deep. And I think Mobley only took four shots from deep thus far so he's one of four that's 25 percent. that is not going to cut it at least on that end but if he's providing in other areas he's an exceptional passer he can run plays uh we've seen him you know bring the ball up the court things of that nature he can score within the post he can post up he, he has a perimeter game somewhat uh, from the mid-range. We've seen a couple of different things from Mobley. And, you know, I've loved it. I mean, the one lob attempt that he had to market in was just awesome to see. And it wasn't, you know, wasn't ex- it wasn't an exceptional pass, but it was definitely something that you just don't see from today's, uh, today's big men and really any big men ever. There are a special few that can make a play like that, but Mobley already showcasing that just four games into, well, four preseason games into his NBA career is just astounding. So we've seen a lot from him. His stat line reads 9.8 uh, points, 8.5 rebounds, 1.5 assists, averaging one steal, two blocks, shooting 47.2% from the field, and like I said, 25% from three-point range, which is not great, but still, he has time to work on that. And this really all boils down to spacing and fit, because we've seen him look just dominant defensively. He Even when he's not blocking a shot, his rim deterrence and uh really just kind of persuading guys not to challenge him at the rim has just been on full display thus far. And I think that will continue on into the season. I don't think that's something that's really going to change. Uh, for him, I think he has to continue to try and add on weight. As he's already, I think they said he added on 10 to 15 pounds. Don't quote me on that uh, since summer league, but he'll only continue to get better and continue to prove himself. I honestly think that he looks like he could have been taken number one overall. Uh, that's just my personal thought on it, but uh, that that's that's truly what I see so far. And I think 
yeah, it's important not to put too much pressure on the kid. But at the same time, man, he truly looks like maybe, maybe the most naturally talented player on the roster. As of right now, I still give the distinction of best player to Colin Sexton. And I know many people are on the Darius Garland train when it comes to, you know, potential and really the team's best player. But I still am rocking with Colin Sexton. But I do think that Evan Mobley is right up there already just going into his first season just based off of what we have seen. I think he can do it all, and I think he may end up claiming the title of best Cavs player here shortly. Uh, However, it's really going to depend upon what the fit is looking like with the rest of the team uh, to help him along. Um, You know, there's not really any spacing provided with Jared Allen on the court just because he doesn't have a semblance of a perimeter game. Uh, Ditto with Isaac Okoro, who is shooting just atrociously from the field and from three, but provides uh, things in different areas. So things we might see a roster shake, well, not a roster shake up, but a lineup shake up uh, midway into the season, possibly even a quarter of the way into the season, depending upon some of these questions uh, being answered in regards to who fits best where. But from what we've seen from Evan Mobley, I think Cavs fans should be legitimately excited, more excited than I've seen, <laughs> at least on Twitter. But, you know, people really, really should be truly excited about this kid. There are just so many areas that he can have a positive impact uh, in, and he has already showcased. And we know that this is just the preseason, but heading into uh, the regular season here very shortly, within about a week or so, there is going to be an opportunity for him to separate himself from his uh, from his peers, from his current draft class. And I think that that is going to you know take some time. But I definitely think that with what we've seen from him, I think that he can finish in the top two, if not top three for rookie of the year. I honestly, I believe he'll win it. I think he's that good. But time will tell. And really, I think it's going to, be very indicative on the Cavs organization uh, on what their next moves are in regards to Colin Sexton's contract, uh, depending upon how this season goes. If Mobley is able to kind of get this team over the hump and into, you know, uh, a bottom seed in the playoffs, I think that will go a long way in determining even Colin Sexton's contract and, you know, whether or not they're going to opt to sign him to something that's manageable for the team or they're going to go ahead and give him the max. But everything is kind of intertwined here. Uh, The fit between Mobley and Allen and Sexton and Okoro, it's just going to be something to kind of pay attention to for the whole season because, This is, don't get me wrong, this is still technically a year in the rebuild. This is not all or nothing. This is not something where if the, if the, uh, if the Cavs don't win, you know, 40 plus games and make it to a top six seed in the East, everybody's gone and they're going to blow the whole thing up. Maybe Kobe Altman, maybe J.B. Bickerstaff, but not the entire roster. They're not going to blow it up. This is still another year in the rebuild and it's important for people to understand that. But with that being said, that doesn't mean that this cannot turn into a year in which the Cavs finally get over that playoff hump. So um, the next guy I want to kind of mention here, we already kind of referred to him, is that is Isaac Okoro. What is going on with Isaac Okoro in regards to you know his place? Is this is he going to keep his starting role uh, to begin the season? 
My, uh, my belief is that he will. But that could change very quickly depending upon how the season starts. As I said before, you know, we may see a big lineup shift, big lineup change come a quarter into this season. If Isaac Okoro is not is truly just not impacting the game in a good enough manner without providing enough spacing to keep the defense honest, at least we could see him yanked for maybe Dylan Windler, maybe uh, Jetty Osmond, Osman, uh, maybe you even see Lori Markinen play some starting three minutes. Who knows? But really the question for Okoro is going to be, hey, can you get more comfortable taking this shot? Hey, can you provide a little bit more spacing? And I know that uh, this is going to be a tough ask for him just because you're not really getting any spacing at all from Allen. You're, the, the, the paint really is honestly being clogged in that regard. But that doesn't mean that this team can't still be at least semi-successful in getting Isaac Okoro attempts you know, on ball. I, I really don't think the best idea right now is to bench him um, in, in favor of somebody like Windler. Because Windler, too, was unproven in regards to regular season, at least for the, the entire regular season. We've seen him come in last season and kind of, you know, have some pretty good games. I think he went to Spain a time last season where he hit nine straight triples, something like that. I don't have the exact stats right in front of me, but I know enough about, uh, you know, fits within basketball to know that you can't just yank a guy and expect him to perform, you know, better within the second unit right off the bat. There's got to be an adjustment, especially mentally. And so for a first round pick like Okoro to be yanked and thrown onto the bench just going into his second season to me, when you don't have a, a truly proven option behind him, uh, you know, short of experimenting with marking at a three, it's just not good for confidence. So I think the Cavs faith in, or- uh, in Okoro will go a long way this season if he's able to kind of reward them for their faith in him and continuing to roll him out there at the at the three as a starter. I think that will go a long way into his confidence. And we might start seeing, you know, some upticks in his attempts from range per game. We might see some, you know, even better cutting than we've already seen from him. We might see him really start to try and, you know, space the floor, look better out there, uh, resetting, things of that nature. For him, it's going to be vitally important that he try at least to space the floor, because if not, he is going to eventually be uh, put on the bench and into the second unit in favor of one of those three guys that I mentioned. So for Okoro, you know, not not a terribly good preseason just yet. 5.8 points, two rebounds, one and a half assists, 1.3 steals, three, uh, really 35% from the field. That's terrible. (laughs) That is just terrible. And 17% from three-point range, as I stated before. It's just not a good preseason style line. It's not something that you would like to have seen with so much progress that we thought we saw in summer league. But again, it is just preseason. There is no indication that this is going to carry over into the regular season. And I really honestly hope that's the case because I feel like I'm one of the only people still, you know, just holding on to the hope that Akora will morph into this three and D guy that uh, renders himself invaluable and, uh, makes the coaches have to play him. So regardless of how things turn out in regards to Mobley and Allen in the spacing, 
uh, on their end, Okoro absolutely has to space the floor or he will be pulled in favor of one of those guys. That's just the, the sad reality of it. I'm really hoping that he's able to do so. I'm hoping that uh, my faith in him is is rewarded. Same with the Cavs organization, you know, and JB Biggerstaff. I just I don't know. It remains to be seen. I think that whatever the outcome is, you know, he seems like a team player. He seems like a good guy. So if he is benched eventually, I think he'll take well to it. And that will give him the opportunity to at least, you know, get some good looks from, you know, and benefit from Ricky Rubio. Um, You know, he still would most likely be the off ball and an off ball guard or, you know, playing more of an off ball role depending upon where they're putting him at, out there uh, at the three or the two. But I think he would benefit tremendously with playing next to uh, Rubio, having Markinen there beside him on the bench in the second unit, especially having Kevin Love, who still has a very high basketball IQ, may not be, you know, what he once was, especially in, you know, physical side of things. He may not be the dominant rebounder that he was, but he's still a savvy vet. And while he is overpaid, he still can provide a huge spark off the bench. So I think playing next to those those three guys really will do wonders for Okoro if he is moved to the second unit. Uh, and you probably could see the best version of him. But I just don't think that there is a need for it at this point in time. I think you can, if you put him into the starting lineup and you continue to you know have him there, I don't see where you know th- that can possibly doing that at least initially to start the season could possibly go wrong. Because like I said before, this is not the make or break year. This is another year in the rebuild. And for certain players, it might seem like it's make or break, uh, you know, i.e. Colin Sexton in his contract situation and contract talks, which, um, you know, will have to probably wait until restricted free agency or right up to the end of the season. I think they have to work out a deal now at the end of the season. I think that's the window that they're in now. I think they passed the deadline already. Uh, And if they haven't, let's hope that they they get there. But again, a lot of this is going to come down to how this team fits together. You know, I I mentioned those three guys, Markkinen, Mobley, Okoro. Those to me are three key guys and how, you know, whatever, how their season goes, generally the Cavs season is probably going to go. And if Okoro is able to finally space the floor, he's able to morph into that three and D role. It's going to be awesome. Uh, if Mobley is able to put it all together on the offensive and de- uh, defensive side, the Cavs have got a foundational, you know, core player, a, a real uh, franchise building block to to work from. Uh, moving forward. And if it comes down to the fact that, you know, the fit is just not well with Jared Allen, we'll have to see. It's not like Jared's contract is immovable, but I think this this can work. I really do. I truly believe that the Cavs will be in a position to make some noise um, come postseason. And I know that I'm not alone in those thoughts, but I also know that Cleveland, even within the ranks of the fans, have many detractors still. And it's going to take for the team to actually show them something to kind of change a lot of minds here. And that's fair. It's warranted. The Cavs over the last three seasons have not shown a whole hell of a lot, have they, in regards to uh, wins and losses. There have been individual growth, uh, you know, from players like Sexton and uh, Garland. Garland took a pretty big jump last year, but... 
by and large, it hasn't all come together. There hasn't been any cohesion, at least, that translated to uh, wins and losses. It's just, it's going to be something that really takes time, and it's going to be something that uh, probably is going to be at least another year before this Cavs, uh, this Cavs team turns into a playoff contender. I think they can get there this season, and I think the path is pretty, pretty damn obvious, but it's going to come down to roster fit. And so with that being said, I think that's a good way to end the episode. If you're listening on any podcast platform, please make sure to rate and leave a review. Helps me better myself in regards to the content. And if you're listening on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. You guys have a good day. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.